Welcome back to Grapes, the wine podcast. My name is Tobias Salvai. I'm Phil Cook. And this week we are talking about another exciting grape variety uh, from Italy. This time we're going to talk about Sangiovese. Yes, uh, I'm really, really excited about it going back home to this. <laughs> um, Let's crack on with the with the history of Sangiovese, as we usually do. We start uh, with with some historic uh, uh, mentions of it. Sure. So there are some theories that consider uh, Sangiovese um, a grape that a grape that got uh, origins even before the Roman uh, outbreak in the in the Italian peninsula uh, by a civilization called the Etruscans. Mm-hmm. Uh, which were populating uh, uh, the coast and the hills of Tuscany. So we're right. talking uh, hundreds of years before the Roma. So it's, we were talking of a really, really, really old uh, um, grape variety that then, of course, the Romans developed in the valley when then they conquered over, even though uh, the very first written mention of Sangiovese came from an essay from the agronomist Gian Vittorio Soderini in the 16th century uh, that was mentioning it uh, um, in, in one of his uh, agronomists say uh, calling it Sangioghetto, uh, so a really you know vulgar and ancient name for it. Okay. Uh, it was then only in the 18th century, so quite recently, if you think about you know the origins of the grape, the Sangiovese became well known and started to be planted uh, for winemaking all over Tuscany. Right. In uh, 1773. Uh, uh, a writer, Cosimo Villafranchi, mentioned the grape uh, in uh, uh, his uh, guide uh, called uh, Oenologia Toscana, so Toscano Oenology, uh, one of the very first wine guides uh, to you know, start to mention geographical regions and grapes. Uh, back then, Italy was not on the map for wine, while France was already well organized. Yeah. And, uh, and he mentioned Sangiovese when he talks about grapes uh, used to produce Chianti. Uh, the, the name that comes from a dialectical expression in relation to the celebration of uh, San Giovanni Battista, St. John. Uh, other theories then uh, uh, brings the Romans into play again okay. with the Latin Sanguis Jovis, blood of Jove, the god, uh, I think it was the god of war, if I remember correctly. Right. Uh, realistically then the name, uh, the San Giovese, it's, uh, it's named after a mountain called uh, Mountain Giove near the village of Sant'Arcangelo in Romagna, which is the border with Tuscany. Okay. Uh, so this is a bit of the you know, etymology and origins of the grape. Uh, what have you got for us today? You are going to talk, if I remember, about uh, the areas of production, am I correct? Absolutely, yeah, the areas of production, um, I mean, no surprise from what you've started there that we start with Italy, which accounts for, I mean, pretty much all of the, not quite all, but uh, I mean, in terms of the Sangiovese production worldwide, it is roughly around 155,000 of 175,000 acres um, produced in Italy. Um, so, you know, like I say, it's, it's, it's a main variety there. Um, mainly grown in central Tuscany in the, in the northeast, uh, where it's famous for red wines of the Chianti DUCG, um, which will be quite well known here in UK supermarkets and things. 
which sits in the foothills of the Apennine Mountains. Uh, the style of wines is quite simple, easy drinking wines there, uh, reasonably inexpensive. Then we sort of move higher up there at this site and we move to the Chianti Classico uh, label, uh, where wines are a little bit more pronounced and complex, a bit more body to them. Uh, the grapes enjoy longer ripening season there uh, and oak aging can be common as well. So you get a little bit more um, body and complexity to wines, say. Then you move up to the Chianti Classico Reserva uh, label, um, which are subject to tighter production controls, uh, things like aging times and things like that, which um, lead to more premium wines along with a higher price tag. Um, and then along with the Chianti label, Brunello de Montalcino is one of the most renowned labels there. Uh, it's 30 miles south of Siena, uh, with the hilltop town of Motocino as its epicenter. Uh, it's known for a bolder style of Sangiovese. Uh, Brunello actually means the local term for the Sangiovese grape, so Brunello de Motocino, uh, the grape of the of Motocino. Um, so the site sits uh, about 661 metres above sea level, uh, very ancient stony soils with sites facing east and southeast. Um, the south vineyards obviously lose a bit of altitude, uh, will always become richer with it's more of a iron and clay composition. Um, and yeah, richer soils, as I say. Um, the sea is around 20 miles away from that area, so you get the due to the altitude, uh, Brunello's got a very warm days which help ripen the fruit, but a little bit cooler at night, uh, because of the ocean influence. Um, which really helps concentrate those flavours and locks in the highest city levels that the wines uh, famous for. Uh, third great Sangiovese site is uh, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, uh, which is sm much, much smaller in terms of production with 820 hectares. Uh, Montepulciano DOCG is about an hour's drive east of Montepulciano, uh, again, it's hilltop lo uh, location with vineyards lying between 250 to 600 metres above sea level, with the best sites considered to be around 300 metres above sea level on southeast facing slopes, uh, where the soils consist of sand, gravel and clay mainly. Um, there's a small amount of Sangiovese produced in Corsica and outside Europe, America and Argentina, but really, really minute doses. You will probably see more and more produced, particularly in Argentina, um, in the next sort of few uh, next decade or so um but yeah italy very much the home of this great um Indeed, yeah. so, so the details of this plant uh tell us what it looks like well um going back to the dna profiling first so studies in 2004 from uh, the istituto agrario di san michele all'adige being Italian in this helps a lot, eh, doesn't it? <laughs> Lots of uh, difficult Italian. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's an agronomy research lab uh, based in this town called San Michele Alladige. Uh, this, this study uh, showed that the result, that Sangiovese basically is a result, is a crossing between uh, uh, Chili e Giolo and Calabrese Monte Nuovo grape, which mm. are two indigenous varieties from Italy. Uh, Chili e Giolo is still quite popular, it's still quite produced, whether uh, Calabrese Montenuovo is almost extinct. Right. Sangiovese then have many subclones. Uh, it, it evolved through centuries into different breeds. 
you got the grosso one, so the big one, the piccolo, small one, the Sangiovese Prognolo. Right. Uh, it, it, it prefers soils with high limestone, limestone concentration. Uh, it needs a very long growing season, so a very slow ripening of the of the fruit. Right. Uh, it buds quite early and is very slow to ripen. Uh, moderate warm climate is ideal for it. Uh, even though, as you correctly mentioned, uh, it can grow also in warmer climates. I'm thinking of uh, Mont- Montepulciano, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hazards of the vines, uh, it, it rot due to a very thin skin, so it tends really to rot. So rain, for example, or damp conditions are not really the best for Sangiovese. Right. And uh, in, in the USA, uh, where it's produced, uh, it requires, they use a little bit of irrigation uh, during the, the, the warmest uh, months of the growing season in order to keep uh, uh, you know, the plant uh, still active and alive. Yeah. Uh, the yield as well should be kept under control. Uh, you want to select bunches before picking them. So you, you try to you know, harvest uh, three pounds, a kilo and a half of fruit per vine. Right. And um, so, yeah, you can then see why the thick skin, sorry, the thin skin, pardon, uh, it's it's quite vital and it's all around maintaining that uh, uh, safe in order to not compromise the fruit. And yeah. I think as well, it reflects a bit in the flavor still. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you have bad rainfall, bad weather, then that also damages the, the grapes and, and also your yield. So from a, a wine grower point of view, you know, the weather is crucial, good weather is crucial. Absolutely, yeah, you, you need the, the, the right amount of rainfall, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the season uh, and then really over the summer, any sort of rainfall can compromise yeah. uh, the crop, you know. Uh, cool. I, I think we can move on to the next section, which is uh, uh, flavor profiles and then food pairings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll just sort of elaborate more on the, the three sort of uh, areas I spoke about earlier and then obviously the three styles of wines that result from those areas. Um, so, I mean, the wines are typically, they're very, it's known as a very perfumed wine uh, with high acidity, as I mentioned before. Uh, so red fruit aromas, things like strawberries and sour cherries, uh, tomato leaf um, are quite the sort of, um, normal characteristics if you like uh, with things like dried herbs oregano and rosemary in there and the savory side as well uh, with things like parma ham and salami and sort of a cheesy whiff um, can also be found in the palate as well as in the nose um, the meatier character is particularly more apparent on older wines which are also a bit pricier and things with the aging process uh, you can also almost describe it as if you walk into an Italian deli and you just take a couple of deep breaths all those flavors you know and aromas that go into you, into your nose and hit the back of your mouth it's like going to italian deli let's say um so it's a real sensory experience um these wines will typically be quite light in body the, the chianti wines that is uh with tannins that are um sort of light to medium levels depending on the location uh you get a bit more oak spice in there if indeed the oak is is um used by the winemaker um, the bolder Brunello wines uh, will have a much much more complexity and will be a more full-on experience. Um, alongside those red fruity characteristics will be things like smoke, tobacco and leather, uh, and even rose petals as well. 
Um, again, the acidity will be quite high in those, and of those, those mouth sucking tannins will be much more apparent. Very much my sort of wine. Um, and then to Vino Noble de Montepulciano, uh, it's sort of got the richness of Brunello with the more perfumed qualities of the Chianti Classico. They'll be quite full bodied with firm tannins, quite lively acidity, and sort of fleshy strawberry and cherry fruity notes and hints of tea leaves. Um, so with that in mind, food pairings, uh, you, are you hungry? You usually are. So am I. Well, uh, luckily I, I just had dinner, but that never stopped me. So hit me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually going to start on the vegetarian uh, this week. Uh, I know I'm quite meat heavy. I will get there eventually. Um, but the simple style Chianti, yeah, yeah. The simple style Chianti is, is great for vegetarian food. And since it's National Pizza Day, on February 9th this week, I thought I'd start with a good old classic margarita. Um, and the tomato-based sauces in general are a real good pairing with this wine. So if you think the tomato uh, sauce on a pizza, veggie pasta or chickpea stew, sticking to the vegetarian theme again, um, it's a great wine because the medium body and savoury characters, uh, they add a congruent pairing with the tomato flavours as well as the herbs which in turn bring out the fruitiness in the wine um, and, you know, just really just balance as well. Meat-wise, with those sort of lighter styles, a, a simple charcuterie platter, Parma ham, coppa, Milano salami, mortadella goes well. The bolder Brunello styles are much more meat-friendly, um, so like I said, I would get there. Uh, the obvious one is the Bistecca alla Fiorentina, or T-bone steak if you like. Um, just those Yummy! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, or your Sunday lunch here, rib of beef, fatty pork belly is one of my favourite uh, Sunday roasts. Um, really yummy. Absolutely, yeah. But the, the acidity really comes into play here and balances again with those rich roast meats and the fatty elements, as well as the fruity personality of the wine too, works well with the meat. Um, if you're not being quite as decadent as a, a T-bone steak, something, a, a good old cheeseburger, you know, smashed beef patties are all the rage these days vintage cheddar and tomato. Uh, it just works really well. It's a bit simpler, more of your everyday. Um, but for me, nothing beats Scottish game. Uh, it goes perfectly well with grouse is my favourite. Uh, and even offal as well, you know, chicken liver patty or the uh, offal of the, the uh, game, the dice and things like that. Perfectly paired with these wines. Cheese-wise, Italian wines, they all seem to pair well with food that's produced in and around them. So, I'd head straight to Parmigiano-Reggiano for this one. Uh, that savouriness and the complexity, it's got a bit of fruitiness and nuttiness in there, uh, just works so well with the, the characters of the wine. Or a nice pecorino, pecorino sardo, something like that too, would be great. But nice, hard, rich, aged cheeses um, are ideal. So, fun facts. Yes, uh, well, th there are plenty of interesting stories around Sangiovese, uh, but I decided to pick one that, I, in my opinion, it's, uh, it's the most important story. And I'm going to talk about uh, an iconic winery of Montalcino this time. Okay. Uh, the winery Biondi Santi, which has okay. been, uh, Biondi Santi has been the winery that produced the very first Brunello, and they are the ones that actually gave the name Brunello to Brunello di Montalcino. But right. let's take a step back into history and let's go back to 1865 when uh, uh, Clemente Santi 
uh, Mr. Clemente Stanti started uh, uh, experimenting with Sangiovese. Now, imagine this, Phil. Back in those days, uh, France was already uh, almost divided into wine regions uh, and uh, uh, every single wine region had already specific regulations in terms right. of what, what to plant, how to plant it, how to grow it, how to age it. And um, whether in Italy and in probably most part of the world, that wasn't a thing. In Italy, we were making wine, but there were no rules on it, right? You could have blended whatever, you could have fermented whatever. There wasn't the concept of appellation, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Clemente Santi has been the very first to experiment and study Sangiovese. Uh, in, and it, uh, at the hill called Il Greppo, which is this uh, uh, hill that, on their estate in Montalcino. Yeah. Uh, and it was using different kinds of barrels, uh, different kind of woods for the barrels as well, uh, different sizes uh, to carefully select and make wines uh, that they were suitable for aging. Yeah. It took him a while, but in the 1865, he called his very first bottling Brunello. And as I right. said earlier, he, he, he gave the name then to the to the wine that nowadays we know. This particular bottling, he showed it uh, to the uh, Paris exhibition of 1867, right. where notes of different wine experts uh, uh, states that basically was noted positively for the the fine brown hues and the, the tomato leaf nose as you mentioned earlier yeah. then clemente's son actually pardon clemente's grandson uh, ferruccio biondi uh, so from a family biondi uh, that then fused into the family santi built on his research and uh, I identified a uh, superior clone of Sangiovese, which is the Sangiovese right. Grosso, right. which is the one that is used in uh, Montalcino. And uh, it was him that basically put uh, then Montalcino on the map because uh, um, also with the help of uh, his son, Tancredi, uh, they both understood the power of marketing uh, back then, of course, and they started to promote their brand internationally from from the 1920 onwards okay. uh, you know wine exhibition wine fairs uh, we are talking of a very rich noble family that they yeah. used to travel all around europe and in in their trips they were always carrying their wines uh, up to a point that in 1955 the brunello di montalcino il greppo from the biondi santi family was yeah. served to a very young queen elizabeth okay in one of the official gatherings okay. but uh, this particular wine um, has a, a very important spot in the italian uh, uh, history as well because at the end of the second world war the very first italian republic president after the italians decided to vote for a republic out of the monarchy right. uh, to celebrate the birth of the republic he, he hosted a big party with the government executives and with all of the authorities of the Italian country. And uh, he sort of uh, inaugurated and celebrated the, the birth of the Republic drinking uh, the Brunello di Montalcino, Il Greppo, from the winery Biondi Santi. So okay. it's a very important uh, uh, you know, name. Another great thing behind this family, and this is the very last one, is that they never wanted to copyright the name Brunello. Right, yeah. yeah Leaving the heritage, 
yeah. of Brunello to the whole village, yeah, allowing yeah, also yeah. other growers and other winemakers to thrive out of their studies. And yeah, this is yeah. a very, very remarkable, I think, uh, from, from, from them. You know, they had literally a gold mine in their hands and they yeah, decided yeah. to share it. So yeah, this uh, this is it for the for the fun fact of uh, of this episode. Uh, that takes us then to wine recommendations. Okay. And uh, I mean, uh, as we usually do, we pick a very fine wine, uh, a medium one, and an everyday one. So what did you pick this week, Phil? Well, funny you've kind of actually done my introduction for me because uh, my my special wine was actually from the Beyond the Santi. Um, Brunello di Montalcino. Um, it's a 2011. 2010 was had a very good reputation, but the 2011 pretty much lived up to that. Um, it's 129 pounds for Berry Brothers. Um, like you say, one of the very great properties of Brunello di Montalcino and the Greppo Vineyard. Uh, it's been in the family since the 1800s, um, and you've, like I say, you've sort of done my introduction for me. So I'll just really talk about the wine then. Um, just to prove the show is uh, unrehearsed. <laughs> um, very refined. It's got those typical notes, the red cherry, um, predominant there, with the, the subtle oak characters as well you get from the aging. It's a perfect bottle as well. It's not crazily expensive, but you know, if you want to stick it away for 10 years and then bring it out, it will gain value. But it's just a beautiful, beautiful bottle, very refined um, and utterly delicious. Um, what have you chose for us this week? Well, uh, as a very fine and expensive uh, uh, Sangiovese this week, I picked as well uh, uh, a Brunello di Montalcino, of course. Uh, the winery is called uh, Soldera. This is a right. very iconic winery uh, sure. because uh, um, in the 90s, I'll try to, to make this story very short. In the 90s, um, they changed a bit the regulations of how to make Brunello. Uh, the consortium, you know, the, the the big kind of political power that runs Montalcino, right. and they allowed uh, a touch of Mon- uh, of Mer- sorry of Merlot ah. to be blended with uh, Sangiovese. Right. The family Soldera opposed very strongly to it, and uh, decided to carry on with 100% Sangiovese, Sangiovese Grosso, trying to keep it as traditional as possible. Okay. They they had a lot of uh, um, political issues, of course, because of their statement, but they are recognized worldwide as one of the finest, if not the finest, uh, uh, Mont Brunello uh, right now. We're talking of a bottle of wine that is 800 pound a bottle, so we're talking of something incredibly expensive. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you have money to spend and if you really want to treat yourself, you are going to try something really unique, incredibly complex, sure. uh, very, very interesting and, and silky tannins, uh, but with, a, with an insane drinkability. Yeah. And also old vintages, if you want to dip deeper in your pocket, are incredible. Uh, yeah. The importer is uh, uh, Raven Fine Wines for the UK. Ah, OK, OK. Again, one I'd imagine as well, it's great for aging as well, if you want to buy it and stick it away. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. It's it, the, the high acidity of this kind of wines, they will yeah. stay forever uh, and they will they will age really, really well. Of course, we're talking of expensive stuff, but uh, uh, I mean, it's worth if you have the money to, to invest in that. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you can resist to drink it, it's the most important thing. 
Oh yeah, indeed. That that's a, that's the hardest part, I think. <laughs> so what you got your your sort of middle of the road wine then? Well, for this one, I, I still stayed in Montalcino. Um, I've been quite stubborn with this, but um, there is a winery that uh, is quite young. It's called La Piombaia. Uh, well, right. the estate is quite old, but the uh, Francesco, the guy that runs the winery, uh, turned the whole uh, estate into a biodynamic farming. Uh, sort of a state. Right. So we are talking of a biodynamic Brunello di Montalcino. Uh, the 2015 vintage is in- incredible. Uh, really, really earthy, really complex, uh, nice red fruits coming out. Uh, uh, by the same time, a, a very natural wine. You can taste, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that that doesn't have added sulfites uh, and it's, it's really, really, really um, rustic in style. Yeah. This Brunello, it's, in my opinion, is great. And uh, we're starting off a price point of £45 a bottle. So it's something that uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, great value for money for what it yeah. is. Yeah, I know sure. 45 pounds are quite a lot, but uh, for for the level of the wine, yeah, it's, yeah. It, 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 we are talking of not, something not really, really, really good. Yeah, definitely. This one here, you can find it uh, uh, at the good wine shop uh, online, or uh, there's a small merchant in Edinburgh that stocks it uh, called Baco Wine. Right. Cool, cool. Um, so for my sort of middle of the road wine, um, I went for a Chianti Classico uh, Quarchivella. Uh, this particular one is £28 uh, from Oddbins, although I do believe Waitrose are selling it quite a bit cheaper, which I just found out before I came to do this podcast. Um, so <laughs> Too late now, we, we, we bought it all already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Chianti for me, um, to sort of sidestep a little bit, uh, it's got quite a nice story for me because... Uh, how I got into wine was basically my dad, when he came home from work on a Friday, he'd always come back with a bottle of Chianti or a Bordeaux, and he'd sneak me aside and he'd say, Do you want a little try? And he'd pour me a little glass of wine, and I would sit thinking, you know, I'm cool with this glass of wine, I'm adult, you know. Uh, so I was drinking <laughs> Chianti. Um, but this one, uh, yeah, Cartubella uh, actually literally translates as beautiful oak tree, and the producer really focuses on quality rather than quantity, and it has a global reputation for biodynamic and organic wines, uh, which is, as I've alluded to in the past, is something I'm quite passionate about. Um, but also the reason I like it is the, the actual flavour profiles. It's got the red berry uh, sort of lead flavour profiles, but it's also got flecks of violet, which I quite like in wines. Very fine tannins and important for me as well. A long finish and uh yeah 20 quid under 30 pounds not crazy expensive a little bit of a treat but well worth it wow so you're very good at, you're very good at finding great wines with the uh, uh lower budget in the mine i i am very expensive in my wine list <laughs> you are you get paid too much man you get paid too much uh, no, there's, there's bargains if you that this is important about shopping obviously we work in wine but i think that's the importance of going to a wine shop as opposed to supermarket you speak to the people who work there and they know the, the sort of the special, you know, the, the tricks of the trade, if you like. They can recommend you a great bottle that uh, is, isn't going to break the bank, you know. And that's why it's important to go into a wine shop as is a cheesemonger or a fishmonger or a butcher, you know. They know the, the good stuff at a good price, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, and that brings us to our everyday recommendation, uh, yeah. which is exactly where we are 
putting our uh, uh, budgeting uh, at the center here. Uh, I moved out of Tuscany for this one. I went to a, a neighbor region called Umbria, still in the center of Italy. Uh, this winery is called Barbie, not Barbie like the doll, Barbie, <laughs> B-A-R-B-I. Uh, Marina Barbie, which is the, the woman that runs the winery, uh, they produce different kinds of Sangiovese. This in particular is called Ruspo, which is um, a really earthy, but yet quite fruity, uh, juicy Sangiovese. A bit different than the Tuscan style. It doesn't have that kind yeah. of, uh, you know, um, tomato leaf uh, and elegance. It's a bit more robust and fruity. But okay. uh, a very good wine. Uh, it sells in Odbins for 14 pounds. Okay, cool. Um, so mine, uh, I have. I was another Chianti, uh, Sugatia Chianti, which is, is 10 pounds from Odbins. Uh, I chose this because it's just it's a perfect. I mentioned the the National Pizza Day, uh, and this is just a perfect midweek wine. And put the fee up with a box set on and have a pizza or some pasta just pairs really well and it's actually a really good price for the quality of the wine it's got it's got bags of ripe berry fruits dark cherry plums and it's just a very easy drinking enjoyable wine it doesn't break the bank and that's really what that section is about i guess absolutely well thank you very much phil now i am uh, hungry and thirsty uh, <laughs> we came to the end of the episode thank you very much for listening to all uh, thank you, Phil, for sharing the episode with me. We're going to be back uh, soon online with another great variety for the next episode. Please uh, follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to be online then on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have any suggestions, uh, any comment, uh, if you want to write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts as well, uh, or even a bad one, why not? Please do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk next week. Well, take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye.